What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on Wednesday, December 6, 2017. want to welcome you all into the show today. Before we kick off the show, got some pretty cool news for you guys. We want to make the show more interactive as we hit the offseason and the topics get a little more varied. So we set up a Twitter account. So be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. And of course, you can always subscribe to the show. Go on to Apple Podcast, search Hang Out in the Holy Land, find the show there, and also find us at soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land. And you can also email us as well, holylandpod at gmail.com. So want to hear from you guys, want to interact with you, and uh, want to get your thoughts on the show and topics we should talk about and everything else as we head into the offseason for Ohio State football and the middle of basketball season for a very exciting Ohio State men's basketball team. But enough of that, enough of me self-promoting and shilling for the show. Let's get into today's topic and today's episode. And uh, I am joined by my friend and colleague and a man who... Just put out on Twitter that he had carrots on his pizza, and his whoa, whoa, name whoa, 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 is Matt whoa, Brown. Whoa, whoa, that's not. Am what I, I am I already accusing you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be fair, um, I did have carrots on my pizza earlier today. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Brown. I used to run this site, um, but but you're, you're, that's that's not important right now. So what what I did what I did say a couple of minutes ago is I asked whether it is appropriate for any reason carrots to be a topping on pizza because is there ever a scenario where it's okay to have carrots as a pizza topping um i think the answer to this question is yes now the pizza that i had at lunch today was a buffalo chicken pizza that i think tried to riff on the idea that carrots and celery sticks typically accompany chicken wings so they have like a kind of buffalo sauce and little bits of carrot and celery on the pizza with the chicken and it was oh a little bit below average but I have had Thai pizza before with chicken and kind of like a peanut sauce and then very thinly sliced strips of carrot. And I thought that was lovely. Um, but I think this is the first time I've ever been well and truly ratioed on Twitter. <laughs> I'm looking at this right now, and it's basically like 34 people telling me, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, and not a single like or retweets. I mean, that's not even a ratio. That's like a seventh inning perfect game going on right there. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming... Um, based on your incredulous tone that you took before we started recording, that you are in agree agreement with the masses here that that is gross. Look, I really don't care what people eat, despite the fact that I've already tried to bury you on this podcast for putting salsa on macaroni and cheese. Yeah, fuck and, you, man. That's good. And, and bury Midwest food in general. But honestly, I really don't care what people eat. Um, on the subject of pizza... I have zero remorse for liking pineapple on my pizza, which seems to be a very sensitive subject on Twitter. But um, no, on, on like a traditional pizza, that doesn't really sound like something I'd be interested in. And I can't really do like Thai pizza or anything because I'm allergic to peanuts and any other sort of nuts. So I stay away from any sort of wild variation of the food that I eat. But um, doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. But uh, people seem really insulted and upset about this. Yeah, I, look, I would agree that going to the you know your local Papa John's and saying, "Yo, I'd like a pizza with some sausage, some pepperoni, maybe some red onion, and oh yeah, carrots," that would be weird. You should be shamed for this. But there are a rich number of 
pizza toppings that in very specific circumstances, I think, can be lovely despite being non-traditional. But apparently the rest of the internet is a bunch of unwashed Philistines who don't have sophisticated tastes uh, and cannot appreciate the simple majesty of the carrot. Like, that's fine. That's fine. We'll just we'll just put this on my list of bad takes that I own. Like Darren Lee will never play for Ohio State. You know, you, you just stick that on the list of, of dumb things that Matt Brown believes or believed. It. Obviously, uh, Darren Lee did, in fact, play for Ohio State. Speaking of things that aren't for everybody, let's talk about something that is maybe the hottest topic in the college football landscape <laughs> right o- now. And you that's... almost got it. You o- you almost you almost stuck the landing, but you, the left foot sm- you know fell just a little bit off the landing pad. 8.9. And I'll take an 8.9 there. But let's talk about Jim Harbaugh and uh, and Michigan right now and recruiting because it's come out as we're talking. And by the time people are listening to this, there may be an update to this story. But um, Jim Harbaugh flew down to Oxford, Mississippi on Tuesday. And, of course, Ole Miss has lifted the restrictions on their players transferring in the aftermath of their NCAA-mandated sanctions. And the reports are that quarterback Shea Patterson, wide receiver Van Jefferson, and safety Deontay Anderson are all going to visit uh, Ann Arbor this weekend. But the main talk, and and rightfully so, he's the biggest player out of of that group, is that Shea Patterson is pretty much a done deal at this point. He's going to visit Ann Arbor, and it's basically a formality. Patterson, former five-star quarterback, number one pro-style quarterback, recruit in the 2016 class had his season ended prematurely with an injury this year and I, I think that this story has a couple of layers not only because he is such a big name and this would be a huge get for Michigan but the quarterback situation at Michigan is already very interesting we, we saw Wilton Spate he's transferring out John O'Corn of course is is done at Michigan and uh, they already have Peters and McCaffrey there so their situation, if if this goes through, we're assuming that it does, is going to be pretty stacked and provides an interesting case of quarterback recruiting and stacking quarterbacks at a particular school. There's there, there's a lot to unpack about all of this. And I, I'm trying to to look at this in the, the least trolly way possible, um, right? So... One of the one of the, 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 the criticisms of Harbaugh at Michigan now uh, during his tenure is that they really haven't had excellent quarterback play yet. And obviously, I think a big reason for that is when Harbaugh came in, that the 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 depth chart was really empty of high level quarterback prospects. So there, there, there were a couple of guys who, who had four star ratings, but it was pretty clear that they weren't working out at that point. That's why they were really aggressive about bringing in other quarterbacks, and and why I think they reached pretty badly on O'Corn, who was uh, somebody who you know wasn't a good quarterback at Houston, which is why he lost his job to a non-quarterback, and and I, and I think struggled. And and Michigan, to their credit, I think did a good job of extracting all of the value, extracting you know the most the best possible performance you can get out of Spate and. Um, and Jake Ruddock from from Iowa, who kind of sucked at Iowa, and is now in the now in the NFL. So, good, you know, good for them. But eventually, you need to be able to recruit and develop your own guy in order to have sustainable growth and 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 development at at, at the at the most important position. And, and quarterback is kind of this weird this weird gig, right? Because if you you know have a chance to bring in a really good transfer like right guard or another running back or a defense back or basically any other position you can uh, you could play more than one of them at the same time and or you could tell people that you're gonna, you're going to stagger them uh, use them in different packages and it's I think a little bit easier to kind of handle the egos 
uh, that come from that, especially to a running back where, where honestly, you really don't want to have one guy taking 90% of the carries at this point just because they might get hurt. You know, if you, if you could, if you could, if you, if your pitch is, hey, come in here, you're going to carry the ball 10 to 14 times a game. You're probably not going to win the Heisman, but you're going to get enough on film to make you a, a valuable NFL prospect and you won't have too much mileage on you. That's an effective recruiting pitch. Quarterback's different because you can only play one of them. And, and if you're at a school like Michigan where you're recruiting mostly dropback style guys, there's not really another way for those quarterbacks to get on the field, right? Like you, you can't have a wildcat package or, or, or somebody that you, that you might use their athleticism in some other capacity. Like there's, there's only one guy. And so that makes it tricky because when you when you recruit those 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 quarterbacks, if they're a mid to high four star kind of guy, they don't recruit. To, they don't commit to sit for four years. They, they 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 commit someplace because they feel confident enough that they can compete for that position. If either they get it, and then if it's clear that they're not going to get it, they typically transfer. There's there's a lot of attrition among uh, quarter, especially among quarterbacks, uh, even people who are like elite eleven, high level guys. So. If you are pursuing a graduate transfer, somebody to come in there and potentially disrupt the staggering that you have in place, that you do that because you don't have confidence, I think, in the guys that you have right now that they're ready to play. Like it's relatively common for like a new coach to come in. If all you have are are really young quarterbacks or guys who are coming off injuries and, and you, you you need another body or you, you need to, to to give people a little bit more time, that that's not uncommon, right? That's why that's why Florida picked up a picked up a grad transfer, I I think. You know, Nebraska might be might be in the uh, the conversation for one. BYU will probably be in the conversation for one. There's, there's other schools that are going to be in that similar position. But Michigan didn't really seem like it was going to be there. Like Brandon Peters was was a high level quarterback recruit. I I think he was like a a point nine six. He was one of the the highest rated. You know, uh, yeah, he was like the sixth rate sixth ranked quarterback in his class. You know, a really high four star guy. He's coming into his third year into the program now. Like that's somebody who should be ready to play. Um, you t- if you, you you don't recruit somebody with that kind of pedigree, with the idea that they're not going to be ready to play for three or four years. And, and McCaffrey, I, I think, was maybe uh, a little bit more of an unpolished guy. Um, but now he's had another year. He, he should be ready to be a backup quarterback. So I think I, I you know I noticed this, and I think a couple other Ohio State fans or other fans are like, I mean. Patterson's great and he can make your team better, but what are you saying about your ability to develop or, or progress the quarterbacks you currently have if you're going after another guy right now? Um, do you, do you, I, I have, I have a couple of other things here, but, but do you, do you think that this decision says anything about Brandon Peters or say anything about Dylan McCaffrey, or is it just like, we need to improve our, our team wherever we can? I think it says a couple different things. One that there may not be confidence that Peters or McCaffrey can take them over the top. And also that when you have the opportunity to get a player of, with the pedigree of Shea Patterson, that no matter what your situation is, I think you almost have to pounce on it if it's that much of a done deal. He has a couple of ties to Michigan. I think uh, to Ohio the, too. Yeah, the quarterbacks coach or one of the staffers for Michigan, Matt Dudek, uh, recruited him to be Arizona's or recruited him at Arizona when he was still in the recruiting process. And then one of the centers at Michigan was a teammate of his at IMG, but also. Uh, something that's a little bit off the radar here is that maybe Michigan is going to decide to go 
in a little bit of a different direction with their offense next season. I would be surprised if they ran the exact same system they did this year. I don't know if that means that they make any changes. I think it's probably too late in the cycle for something like that to happen now. But um, just that I formation, 95% of the time type of offense, I don't know if that's the best fit for Michigan going forward. And, and a guy like Shea Patterson, who hasn't run for a, a ton of yards in his one and a half seasons at Ole Miss, but has more, I think, elusive ability than both McCaffrey and Peters do. I, I think that maybe they bring him in and you see a little bit of a difference in that offense compared to what you referenced, the more traditional drop back, five step, seven step drop back passing game that they've run since Harbaugh's been at Michigan. It's, it's, it's entirely possible. And and don't let my questioning here besmirch anything about Patterson as, as a player. I think, I think he's excellent. Well, what I want to get, I want to get into that. Do you think that Shea Patterson, if they get him is a player that can take Michigan over the top? Well, you, you know, that, that's a, that's an interesting question, right? There's going to be, I think justifiably a lot of pressure on Michigan next year. They've, you know, third, third, fourth place finishes three years in a row. If if the coach was somebody that wasn't Harbaugh and somebody that, that didn't have the same charisma or, or connection to school, you know, I, I think I think there I think there would be some some questioning, right? This next year they're returning almost their entire team. Uh, their offense should be should be much better. And honestly, I think I think with Brandon Peters they would be good enough to to make a run at a Big Ten title, and that's got to be the expectation. Um, if you think that Patterson is better than Peters, I think he probably is next year. Um, I, you know, only Michigan staff could tell you what they think about the, the rest of their guys and their development right now. Um, yeah, that, 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 that does, that does make them much better. The, the risk to this is what it does to the rest of your quarterback room. And if you can bring in a guy like Patterson and, and keep Peters and keep McCaffrey engaged and, and a high morale and within the program, then you got, I would tip my cap to Michigan and say, great, 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 great personnel acquisition, great recruiting. You've improved the depth at your, at your, at your quarterback spot. Now you have three guys that you feel good about. Um, that's very good. I think that's hard to do. And, and it's, it's, it's different. I think if you kind of contrasted the situation that Ohio state has or, or some other rooms, because different coaching staffs have different philosophies about this, right? We, we talked about how hard it is to really stack a bunch of talent in that room. And when you're doing it through just regular old recruiting, I think it's, it's easier than to tell a freshman coming into the program that you're going to have a chance to compete for that job, which I think everybody will. You may have to sit a year or two and then by your third year, it's going to be abundantly clear where you stand. And then if you need to go somewhere else, you're going to have you're going to have time to do so. I think most people who commit to high level programs that recruit, you know, high three or four star quarterbacks every single class, they 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 know the deal. Uh, and in some places like Alabama, that means you end up having a lot of quarterback attrition. Ohio State hasn't had a lot. I think they almost certainly will this offseason, uh, especially if if Emory Jones stays in this recruiting class. When it comes to Ohio State too, I, I think it's not just Ohio State, but when it comes to these quarterback recruits, it all depends on the style of offense too. And I, I don't sure. know how much this plays into it, but I think that Ohio state can tell recruits for whatever it's worth that, Hey, you know, the style of offense that, that we run, you're going to run the ball and the players in front of you, if you're behind the depth chart, there's a possibility that they may get injured. We've seen that in multiple seasons with JT Barrett. We saw it with Braxton Miller. And I think that has to play at least a little bit of a part 
in this and at a school like Michigan, I you can't you definitely can't make that sell of hey you know you're you're gonna be able to or you're going to run the ball and a guy in front of you may get injured. So I think it depends on the style of offense too. But on the the subject of Patterson and what he means in five games he played this year against teams not named South Alabama and Tennessee Martin he threw eight touchdowns and threw eight interceptions and in four SEC games this season he averaged seven yards per attempt and that wasn't enough to qualify but if he could have qualified that would have been ninth in the conference behind standouts like uh, Stephen Johnson at Kentucky Jake Bentley at South Carolina and Jarrett Garantano of Tennessee and even if you add the uh the three SEC games he played in last year, it's 6.8. So I think that Shea Patterson can be a very good quarterback at Michigan, given Jim Harbaugh's history of developing. But I would pump the brakes on this being the addition that puts them over the top. I can understand some skepticism. I I, I mean, Ole Miss was a, was a train wreck last year. You know, new, new coach, scandal over everything. Patterson had to chuck the ball a lot. Um, he might not have a wide receiver as good as A.J. Brown at, at Michigan, depending on, on how much Donovan Peoples-Jones improves year over year. But like Tariq right, Black will be back as well. Yeah, that, that, that's true. He was he was injured, I think, pretty early in the year. Um, but like I, I, it's it's entirely possible that they they bring in, um, you know, Shea Patterson event. He he loses, he doesn't even start. Like that's that 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 is possible. That would be uh, probably a waste of a scholarship. But uh, you don't typically bring in transfer quarterbacks unless you think that they're ready to play immediately. All the, all of those things are on the table. I I am would be a little bit skeptical that you can bring in that kind of guy without doing some psychological uh, damage to your quarterback depth. Uh, within the guys that you already have. And Michigan is, is currently slated to pick up to, to have two quarterbacks in this coming recruiting class. But if you aren't confident in those guys, then maybe one of them transferring isn't the worst thing in the world. If, 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 you're, not, if you're not totally satisfied and comfortable with Dylan McCaffrey's growth right now, maybe you're okay with him transferring and recruiting another guy. Uh, you know, that happens, right? right? Like qu- quarterback recruiting is, is probably a less exact science than recruiting in general because there's there's so many psychological factors that go into this here. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I may be wrong about this. I am buying stock in Michigan next year. I think that's go- it's going to be a very big battle with Ohio State and, and a very important one. If, if they're not at that level, if this is still another 9-3 and three Michigan team or, or a Michigan team that, that's not ready to achieve that high level, then I think it is completely fair to start asking a bunch of questions about this coaching staff because then you'll be it'll have taken too long given the advantages that they have to get the results that they want. And that's something we're going to get into more as the offseason rolls on and we get closer to spring ball and then do previews. But speaking of transfer quarterbacks, Matt, and you alluded to this earlier, Ohio State may have to deal with some of that in the future, will they not? That So you know that that's, was something that's been speculated about. For like for like years, right? Um, and and now there was an article on Cleveland.com that talked about this. I, I think I think the um, the Athletic with Ari Ari wrote wrote something about this too for Ohio State. But the the depth chart right now is pretty clear that Ohio State's probably going to have to, or somebody at Ohio State's going to have to make some difficult decisions, right? So JT Barrett's gone. Right now, Ohio State is one quarterback in the recruiting class. They might end up taking two. It's going to depend what happens with Emory Jones. Matthew Baldwin may end up being the other one. He's a three, high three-star Colorado State transfer that's trending towards Ohio State right now. But you've got Dwayne Haskins. You've got Joe Burrow. You've got Tate Martell. And then whoever your, your freshmen are going to be. Um, 
and it sure looks like Dwayne Haskins has a pretty sound grasp on the starting job. He was the number looks co- like it. Yeah, he was the starting quarterback all of last year. Comes in, kind of wins the Michigan game. He has the uh, the highest pedigree of anybody right now. Although Ember Jones will will have a higher one if he if he ends up sticking with Ohio State and coming in. Um, and and the and the most meaningful game snaps. Now this isn't Burrow's fault. He got hurt. He played at he played very competently in the spring game. Coaches have said a bunch of nice things about him, and he can graduate in the spring. So if Haskins ends up being your starter, there is at least a possibility uh, that Burrow could decide to grad transfer and play somewhere else immediately. And and I don't know about you, I think he's definitely good enough to be a Power 5 quarterback, whether that's at Ohio State uh, or at another program who I'm sure would be would be thrilled to have him. Um, it's, I guess, possible because you know, there's, 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 there's always transfers. There's roster attrition everywhere on the roster in the offseason. They could lose another one. That, I think, would be, would be, would be a big problem. You want somebody who is not a true freshman uh, as your backup quarterback. Um, Ohio State has, you know, we, 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 they, won a, they won a championship because they had quarterback depth, and Michigan struggled this year because they didn't. Um, I don't think that that is like a, a recruiting. It was a mistake from like Ohio State's part to recruit recruit the way that they did. That's, that's sometimes the way things shake out. Is that how you see things going? Yeah, it seems like it. He spoke with Bill Landis of Cleveland.com. We'll have a link to that article in the post. But it, it is it. You would assume that after spring ball, he's going to be gone because he graduates in May. He has two years of eligibility remaining, and he's able to play right away. And what he referenced in the piece was that him and Urban Meyer have a very good relationship. So I think that that's the way it's trending. And I don't know if he could be like a star for any Power 5 team, but at a place like Purdue, provided they don't put any restrictions on him if he does transfer, I think if you put him in a system where he's kind of that – quote-unquote distributor, that point guard quarterback, I think he can be really effective in that type of role. I don't know how much of a runner he can really be, but just distribution-wise, I think he could be a pretty good quarterback for another school power five-wise. Yeah, he is um, much more athletic, I think, than somebody of his phenotypical background is going to get credit for. He, you know, and and I, I, God, this is this is this is a cliche. He is literally a coach's son. He is a cerebral kid. Um, I thought he played pretty well. He was somebody that I was really excited. Ohio State ended up recruiting. He, he kind of got that four star a little bit late. Obviously, I'd like to keep him. You know, I, I, whatever he whatever he decides to do is best for his education and his career and his family. Whatever you know, that that would be obviously. I think we should all support him. But he's definitely good enough. Uh, you know, maybe at Nebraska, at Ohio, at some school somewhere far away, I, I think he could be very good. And that's true for everybody in Ohio State's quarterback room right now. When you uh, recruit a four-star guy every single year, that is a, a risk that happens. Whether somebody leaves the program for off-the-field reasons or because they just got passed on the depth chart. Yeah, and I think that in this situation, it's just one of those things that that's just uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. That it, somebody's going to get left out, and when you recruit enough talent, that that's just the situation. And we're going to find out more who potential suitors, not only for Burrow if he decides to transfer, but around the country will be, given that the early signing period is two weeks away from today. Matt, you got anything else you want to hit? We we talked about pizza. We talked about Michigan quarterbacks. We talked about recruiting. I'm bummed about the early signing day just because like right before Christmas. And this is this is typically the time of year historically when I kind of ease out a little bit, get ready to do some Christmas traveling, but can't do that this this year. I would expect most of Ohio State's class to sign in uh, excuse me, in December. That's that's gonna be a really big thing. The um 
One other thing I've got on my mind, I'm headed to New York City tomorrow for the Piesman. This is my first trip to the Piesman. I'm a Piesman voter. Uh, Luther Campbell is going to be there to uh, allegedly to, to present some other awards. So um, I'm going to go try to meet him, which is a scenario that will be very difficult to explain to 14-year-old Matt. Um, and I'll let, you know, I'll let you guys know how it goes. I, I, I hope you all voted. I hope you all enjoyed the Piesman. It's one of my favorite things about SB Nation. It is very us. I think it's very silly and fun, and that's what college football is supposed to be. Yeah, completely agree. What uh, Before we get out of here, what uh, what are your favorite bowl games you're excited for this year? Favorite bowl games? Um, I think Ohio State-USC is objectively going to be a very good bowl game. Um, I'm excited for the Hokey Pokey, the, the Oklahoma State-Virginia Tech bowl game, which I think is uh, – um, two teams with a lot of high-level talent that play kind of different styles of football that should be pretty fun. Like Oklahoma State's generally uh, a very a very fun team to uh, to watch. The playoff games are going are going to be excellent, uh, and I'm I'm interested. It's uh, I think Wisconsin Miami uh, should should be kind of interesting. Maybe not necessarily aesthetically great, but uh, they're very different fan bases. Uh, they they they. Do a couple of things really. I think that I think it'll be a fun game to watch, even though it's going to be low scoring. What about you? The two that I'm excited for are first the Birmingham Bowl between Texas Tech and USF. If you are a fan of teams not playing any defense, this is the game for you. Oh, yeah. So I'm really excited for that game. And then the uh, Cherry Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl between Akron versus Florida Atlantic. No, because no. Who in, the, who in the hell would have uh, – hear me out here. Who in the hell would have ever thought that we would see Terry Bowden coach against Lane Kiffin? I am here for that, Matt. You can't stop me and my love for this game. Look – Here's this. This is one of those things that's a game that is more fun on the internet than it is in real life. Because this is a true story. The, that's fair. The biggest point spread of any bowl game right now is that one. FAU is like a 17 point favorite. Akron's not very good. Um, it's going to be fun to you know to listen to the announcers make fun of Terry Bowden gaining weight like Lee Corso did, and we'll have some Lane Kiffin memes. But in terms of an actual like football game, like that's going to be trash. How dare you disrespect Terry Bowden on this podcast? I just, look, I'm, look, How I listen, dare I, you? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a nice person. What, 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 what can you say? They, the dirty little secret is a lot of these bowl games are not actually good. And even some of the ones that look good on paper may not be good because you never know who's actually going to give a shit about the game. Even Ohio State USC. That's true. We we I mean like I, I think people are gonna are gonna be into it, but but some may decide that uh they they're more interested in the pros or it's not the playoff or your 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 head's kind of in different in different spaces. The, the weird weird things happen in bowl season every single year because not everyone's necessarily engaged. Uh, and that goes for the coaching staff and the announcers and everybody involved. Some of them will be great, but uh, a lot of these are going to be watchable because they are football and not on their own independent merits, and that's fine. Well, we will be engaged for all of bowl season, whether it's Ohio State, USC, or everything else going on, because this is the last bit of real football we have for, God, the last, the next like eight months. So we'll be engaged yep. to that and always keep it locked on to landgrantholyland.com as the Cotton Bowl gets closer. We'll have all the coverage of that game. We'll also be talking to our pals at Conquest Chronicles on this podcast to preview the Trojans. So keep it locked to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland and on Apple Podcasts by searching Hangout in the Holy Land. And now you can follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. So we'll have polls up there, a couple different ways for you to interact with the show, and you can also send us an email at holylandpod at gmail.com. And you can reach me on Twitter 
at Dubsco. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me at Matt SBN, and you can find my book, What If? The closer, a closer look. I have college football's great questions. It's on sale right now. Uh, you can shoot me a DM at Matt SBN to get a signed copy for $15. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Kindle and wherever books are sold. Do it. It's an excellent book, and it makes for a great holiday present as we get near towards the holidays here in the next couple of weeks. But that's going to wrap up today's show. We want to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back later on in the week with some more content for your ears. But until then, for Matt Brown, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.